welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. I hate the devil. Just thought I'd put it out there. He just so wants to limit every person. When I look at everyone here today, what amazing people you are with amazing destiny and hope. And you know, the devil comes to steal, to kill and destroy and minimize. But when God creates a person, he creates you for a marvelous work, a marvelous assignment. And the thing about the devil is he, he muddies the water and the majority of people on this planet have no realization of the greatness of God in their life. That's why I hate the devil. Did I say that? I hate the devil. Do you hate the devil? Good. Let's give him a complex today. And so in Mark chapter 5, there is this amazing story about two women, a girl and a woman. And uh, it is a picture of... I believe where we're at today, and I believe that there is an incredible shift happening in the body of Christ right now. Does anyone else believe that? There is a tremendous shift happening right across the body. God's people are starting to get a revelation of what he's called them to be and to do. And so I want you to read this story with me because I'm going to unpack a few things in the next short while, and I trust it's going to encourage you today. So Mark 5.21 says... And Jesus crossed over again in the boat to the other side, and a large crowd gathered around him. And so he stayed by the seashore. And one of the officials of the synagogue named Jairus, and that name means whom God enlightened. So this whole story is about God bringing revelation to the church. He represents the church. And that's what God is doing today. He's causing us to see what church really is about. It's not a place that we come and do our duties for an hour and a half on a Sunday or two hours and then just check out. The church is the greatest army, the greatest vehicle of bringing change to society. And that's why I get so cross. I get cross a lot. But I get so cross when, when the media and society tries to minimize the power of the church. We are the answer to society. This is not the end. See, this is... This is the vehicle to bring change. This is not the kingdom. The kingdom is not the church, but the church is the vehicle that brings the kingdom to society. And God's causing the church to get a revelation that we are the answer to the world. You, you're the answer. Yes. So he comes up to Jesus and he falls at his feet, verse 23, and he implored him saying, Lord, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her and she'll be, get, she'll be well and she'll live. So Jesus went with him and a large crowd followed him. And it says in verse 25, And there was a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years. Say 12 years. 12 was the number of government. You know, the 12, uh, the 12 patriarchs in the Old Testament, the 12 apostles, disciples in the New. It's a picture in, the, in this story of the Old Covenant, the Old Covenant mindset and the New Covenant mindset. So this woman's been hemorrhaging for 12 years. She'd endured much at the hands of the doctors. She spent all that she had 
And it didn't help her a bit. Rather, she grew worse. And that's the thing about living under the old covenant. Living a life without Jesus, you can spend all that you've got, but you'll just get worse. And that's the thing about this world. It offers a whole lot, but you just get worse and worse and worse. You go deeper and deeper. You start on this drug, and it's not enough, so you've got to go further and further. You start with this uh, picture of pornography, and it's not enough, so you go deeper and deeper. The world looks like it offers a lot, but the reality is, without Jesus, you just get worse and worse and worse. You may have the appearance of having life together, but you just get worse and worse and worse. And that's the picture of life without Christ. But she said, it says, and after verse 27, after hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak, for she thought, or she kept saying, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. And I want you to know today, if you've come today and you don't know Jesus, If you would just reach out and touch him, you will get well. You will be made whole. The world offers all solutions, this and that. But my friend, you will just get worse and worse and worse. The answer is one touch from Jesus will change everything. One encounter with God. One encounter with God will take you from night to day, from bondage to deliverance. Jesus is your answer today. Did you hear me? If you've come today with incredible problems, bondages, things in your life that you can't change, one touch from Jesus today is all you need. And she touched him, and immediately the flow of her blood was dried up. When you read this story, it seems like an awful detour on the way to Jesus doing what he was about to do. He was about to go and bring life to this daughter. He was about to come and bring life to the church. She's a picture of the church. And there's this detour that he makes. And I was thinking about this, that that the New Testament, the New Covenant believer will never progress in their life until they begin to see what they've been freed from. See, a lot of Christians get saved, but they actually don't know what it is that they were saved from. What was, what, was it, what was actually going on before Jesus came into their life? And so I think a lot about the garden, man's original mandate. What it is that we lost? What did Jesus come to reinstate us to? Because if you don't know what you lost, when you come into the kingdom, you can't reclaim it. Does that make sense? If you had an inheritance and someone stole it, but you don't know what it is, you can come back into the family but not go after the inheritance that belongs to you. So this detour is a very important detour. We need to stop and say, what is it that I've been, what's been taken from us? And as I think about the fall, it fascinates me because it was at the fall that man and woman lost their authority to rule the nations. See, that's what you lost before Christ came. You were created to rule. You were created to bring change to our city. You say, who, me? Yes, you. Yes, you. It doesn't matter how low or high your IQ is, what your educational background is. God created you. When he created man and woman, he says, I'm giving you dominion to rule, to take my kingdom and bring change to a dark world. That's what you lost before Jesus came into your life. That's what we all lost, the ability to rule and reign. 
Are you hearing me? And so when man gave that over to the devil, what happened at the fall was man became a gateway for the enemy to come and control. See, the devil actually has no authority really over the planet. I know he says he's the God of this world, but it's a de facto authority because God gave the world to man, not to the devil. God's original assignment and mandate has never changed. He says, I'm giving you authority, dominion. But the problem was that Adam gave himself over to the devil as his Lord. And the devil darkened the spirit of man so he could no longer fellowship with God. And the devil was like a puppet, puppeteer, pulling the strings and causing man to make wrong choices. That's what happened at the fall. And so the devil began to manipulate and bring his darkened system to the world through man. That's what happened at the fall. We lost the glory, the ability to hear from God and bring the kingdom. So the God of this world then set up a system in this world that is an illegal system. See, most Christians don't get that. What you see around you is illegal. God never gave this world to the devil. Never. See, a lot of Christians think that the devil owns this world. He doesn't. He owns his darkened system that covers the world. He doesn't own the earth, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything you see has been created by God. The trees, the grass, the dirt, everything God owns. And he never gave it to the devil, ever. The devil, by default, controls that because he controls darkened man. And this is what Jesus came to reinstate to man. So the devil, sorry, Jesus comes and he defeats the devil as a man in the wilderness. He takes him on. Why is he doing that? Because he's about to reinstate the original mandate to man. So there's a war that goes on. He defeats the devil as a man. And that same authority, see, what Jesus did at the cross was he dealt with the sin in your life, but he also, not just that, he, he took our sin and we got his victory. The victory that he got over the devil in the wilderness is the victory that he gives to you when you get born again. Are you hearing me? That battle in the wilderness was about Jesus. For the first time, a man stood up against the devil and defeated him. So he defeated the devil as a man in the wilderness, and he defeated the devil at the cross on behalf of all mankind. And Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now I want you to go and make disciples of nations. He's saying, I've restored that original mandate that Adam had before the fall. I like to think, you know, it says in um, Matthew, Matthew 16, 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. I like to see it this way. I believe that Jesus changed the lock on earth and put in a new key. See, the devil doesn't have the key to the new lock. Are you hearing me? This earth has a new key. It's called the keys of the kingdom. The devil is an illegal squatter. You go into the house, you throw him out, and you put in, lock the door, and he can't get back in because the keys have been changed. The keys are the kingdom, the hearts of man. Because we are in Christ Jesus now, we have never given anything to the devil. 
Let that sink in now. The devil has no hold over you. The Bible says of Jesus that the devil had nothing in him. Now that you're in Christ Jesus, you can say, I never gave anything to the devil. Before you were in Christ Jesus, you were under Adam's reign. You'd given everything away. Now that you're in Christ Jesus, you can look at the devil and say, I never handed over to you any authority over this earth. So you've taken... See, what happened at the fall is, is the devil deceived Adam into giving him something that didn't belong to him. He stole what did not belong to him. So you have the authority to come to the devil and say, what you have stolen, I'm taking back on behalf of my father. So you've got to understand what has taken place before you can move into your destiny. If you don't have this revelation of what belongs to you, you can never walk into your destiny. Because the devil will hoodwink you out. Some of you may walk down the street and you look at all the wealth and the, the influence of a city and you think to yourself, I could never have that. Well, that's the same logic as my kids walking into my house and opening the fridge and thinking, I could never have that. So the church is coming alive. See, Jairus is whom God enlightens. We're beginning to see that the earth is my father's and the fullness thereof. And we begin to say that the kingdom of God has to come into every realm of society because it belongs to my father. And his mandate is that his mind would be expressed in every area of our city. And Satan, this does not belong to you. You never created it. You're a deceiver. You've stolen it. It's not yours. So get out. Verse 35, same chapter, Mark 5. And while Jesus was speaking, they came from the house of the synagogue and they said, your daughter is dead. Don't trouble Jesus anymore. But Jesus, overhearing what was spoken, Jesus hears. Isn't that good? He knows the schemes of the devil. He said to the synagogue official, Jairus, do not be afraid, just believe. And he allowed no one to accompany him except Peter, James and John. Peter, James and John. How many is that? Three. Three. Interesting. Three. It's the picture of the new covenant believer. The man that's and the woman that's been transformed, spirit, soul and body. It's what I wrote about in my book, The Gospel According to Noah. It's the picture of, of the church fully alive and activated in every realm of their life. Their soul is being healed. Their spirit's alive. God's, the Holy Spirit's flowing through them in great power. And it says they came to the house of the synagogue official and they saw a commotion and the people were loudly weeping and wailing. Jesus entered in and said, why such a commotion? The child is not dead. It's just asleep. And they began to laugh at him. But Jesus put them out or he cast them out. And he took the child's father and mother and his companions and he entered the room where the child was. I want you to notice something about the devil as he comes against the New Testament church. He has two ploys. And you, were, you saw them as I read this scripture. There are two types. Of, there's one type of people, but two different responses. First, they are weeping and mourning. And what the devil does against the New Testament church to keep us minimized in our world is he surrounds us with a pity mindset. 
God's, Jesus is coming to raise up this child who is a picture of the church into its destiny. And surrounding this child are mourners weeping and, and, and wailing. And Jesus casts them out. So that's what the devil's doing to many of you today. He's come with a pity mindset. Oh, you poor thing. It must be so tough living like you do as an overcoming believer with nothing. Life's been really tough on you. you know, and I've shared with you, church, that, that the, the power is living under the promise, not under pity. Remember Hagar? She was at, under the tree. She was wailing, and the, and the boy, her, her promise was crying. And you remember I said to you that God heard the boy, not, not Hagar. And the reason being is because God is attracted to faith and the promise, not to our pain. And the devil knows that if he can keep you in your pain, you'll never see your provision because God works by faith. So the devil comes with a pity mindset, a persecution mindset, an Eeyore mindset, woe is me, suck my thumb mindset. I know he's doing it to you because he does it to me every day. You poor thing. How could you pastor people like that? How could you live in a city like that? It's so cold. You know, God's been so harsh on you, you poor little thing. That's the devil because he's coming to steal my mandate. My, I'm a king. I'm born to rule and reign. A king doesn't think out of pity. He speaks. He rules. He reigns. But he wants to minimize me. So he gets me caught in my pain where God's calling me to my promise. She comes across to the boy. She holds the boy in her arms. Remember Hagar? And she sees the provision. She sees the wow. Because provision comes when we embrace the promises, not embrace our pain. And that's why all these wailers are there. Because when you surround yourself with pain and wailing and moaning, the child will always remain asleep. It's not dead. Your promise, your destiny is not dead. It's just asleep. The problem is when it's asleep, it can't progress. And the church will never die. The church will never die. It may be asleep. But it will never die. And Jesus has come to raise the church up, give it sight again and vision again. But the first thing he has to cast out is the wailers and the mourners. Are you hearing me? So we lay our hands on our head and we cast out pity every day. Let's have a pity casting session right now. In Jesus' name, pity be gone. And Jesus has come today to cast out... Woe is me, pity mindsets. Now, some of you might think, oh, Andrew, very tough. Absolutely. Why? Because the power is in the promise. It's in declaring who you are, not in your pain. The reason I'm being tough is because I know that you'll die in your pity. Eventually, you'll, sorry, you'll, you'll remain asleep. There'll be no progress in your pity. God wants you to progress. But the second type of pe- person that Jesus cast out was those that ridiculed him. Isn't it amazing that the devil tries the first trick is the pity thing, but then when you get a revelation of that maybe, just maybe, that God could use me, he tries another trick. Not pity this time, but ridicule. Who, you? You? You think God could use you? Look at your past. People will remind you of your past. Behind a lot of stuff, the accusations, the, the, the mindset, who you? You can't do anything. 
It's ridicule. So one's pity. It's the eeyore. Life sucks. Life's terrible. Life's too hard. And then we break out of that and we begin to hear a message of hope like you hear each week here. And the devil comes against you and says, who are you? You've got to be joking. But Jesus cast it out. Get out. You're going to do that every day. You're going to speak to pity and you're going to speak to this this spirit that would come against you and taunt you and say, God can't. And see, Goliath came against David and he ridiculed him. You little puny thing. And David took his head off. That mindset that would minimize you and say, God can't do anything through you. It's a lie from the pit. So Jesus is in the room with the father and the mother. Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit. They're in the room with Peter, James, and John. The picture of the the unveiled, fully redeemed children of God. It's a wonderful picture of the Trinity coming to the church. And this is a day where the church is getting a fresh revelation of the work of the Trinity in the life of the believer that will raise up the church into a whole new destiny. We're coming alive. We're beginning free from pity and accusation. The Trinity has come in its fullness to raise up the church. This little girl was 12 years old. 12 for girls is the year when they have their bar mitzvah, when they come into their fullness, their maturity, that they begin to understand their identity. Wasn't Jesus 12 when he was in his father's house? His mother had been looking for three days. She finds him. And this is what's taking place right now. The church is getting a fresh revelation that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are at work right now. And are about to raise up the church. Raise us up into our destiny. Our greatest days are upon us. Do you hear me? Our greatest days. Our greatest days. Every I prophesy every sector of society, music, the arts, business, family, government, it will be infiltrated by the kingdom. It starts off like a little mustard seed and the enemy despises it. He says, what a pitiful little thing that is. But that jolly little mustard seed, it has this amazing potential to start off small. But the Bible says in Mark 4, it becomes the largest tree in all of the garden. His kingdom is an ever-increasing kingdom. And this city will be infiltrated by the kingdom of God. You and I rising up, totally whole, spirit, soul, body, functioning in the power of the spirit, a revelation of the grace of our Lord Jesus, the love of the Father, and communing with the Holy Spirit. We will take this city. And the little girl arises. And Jesus says, give us something to eat. And that's what he's doing today. Dreams are arising. He's going to sustain and nourish you. He's going to nourish your dreams. And I prophesy that fresh vision is coming to the church, fresh ideas. He's going to nourish you. Some of you have got these little things that you think are little and they're just starting to operate. But my friends, God's going to sustain you and nourish you. And you're going to grow stronger and stronger. 
And that thing that God's put in you is going to get stronger and more powerful. You won't be able to pull it down. Some of you are thinking, is this God? Is this me? That's going to go. It's going to become so clear. He's going to sustain you. And in the past, you were up one day and down the next. You stepped into your destiny and out. My friend, that is going to finish. And you're going to come to a place where you are strong and powerful. It won't be three steps backwards and four front. You'll be onwards and upwards. God is about to shift the church. He's about to feed you and sustain you. And you are never going to be the same again. So I want to pray for you. Why don't you just lift up your hands where you sit today. Father, I thank you today for a fresh revelation in the hearts of every person today of what you call them to be. Father, may they see all that's been stolen from them that is rightfully theirs, their inheritance. The thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy, but you have come, Father, that we would have life, an abundant life, fruitful, 30, 60, 100-fold. And I step into the minds and the spirits of every person here today, and I speak by the Spirit of God, enlargement, extend, enlarge, strengthen, cause them to see that they are called to rule and reign with you. I break every lie of the evil one that would cause them to, to go to sleep when it's time to arise and shine for the light has come. Father, I speak to every place in their hearts where there's been confusion and sadness and despondency and questions and unbelief. And I speak life into every cell of their being in the name of Jesus and I say today, little girl, arise. Church, arise, for this is your finest hour. I speak into the destiny of every person today. I speak hope and life. Father, sustain them as they rise up today. Give them their bread that they need for this day and tomorrow and every day. Father, as they step into their destiny, you have promised to be our provision and our ability, Lord. We don't know where we're going. We're stepping out into the unknown. But you said, surely I will never leave you or forsake you. I will not. I will not. I will not leave you. And so today, Father, let there be a spirit over for every person that rises up now into their destiny. Break pity, break accusation of the enemy and instill in every heart today great faith for their future. Great faith for their future. I speak over you today, church, over every individual today. Great faith for your future. May you see it with hope-filled eyes. Father, extend them like you did with Abraham and you cause him to look up into the sky and to see the stars. Father, cause him to say, with God, all things are possible. Amen. Thank you, Father. Increase their dreams. Amen. Increase their vision. Increase their passion, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. And I say over every person today, you are called by Almighty God to change this city in Jesus' name. He has mandated you. He's equipped you. And he has said to you, occupy till I come. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your ability and your provision in the name of Jesus. Come on, church. It's your time to arise. 
to dream, to allow God to do great and mighty things through you. He's not finished with you. He can do more in you in a day that you could ever even possibly dream or hope for. It doesn't matter how old you are. Some of you are sitting here today and you had dreams and hopes and sometimes it's taken a bit of a sidetrack. God says, I'm able to make all things work together for good. I'm able to restore the years that the locust has chewed up. I am God Almighty and I, I will do a new thing in you and you will look back in the future and you will see my provision and my wisdom and my handiwork and you will be amazed at the goodness of God. God would say to you today, I am not finished and it's not over. It is not over. Thank you, Father. Instill hope today, Lord God, in Jesus' name.